I'm your host, Bree. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Bree podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start my guest's bio, an intro to how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I am joined by my guest, Luke Wempy. Luke, who uses he, him pronouns, is a Kansas native who established his roots in Austin, Texas over the last 10 years. A former media darling or brat turned into a workforce and client success director. Luke has navigated the corporate and social landscape, working with different teams and clients in the building of large programs and teams. Mm. Well, she's here. She's arrived. She is the moment. Luke she Wendy. is here. Luke Wempy, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone along the gender spectrum, we are excited and honored uh, I was trying to think how we first met, and I couldn't. I know a couple of them. <laughs> I mean, out and about being wild youths, I'm sure. But was it through John and Cody? Was it before John and Cody? Right, prior to. So we had oh, first me. met back with Out Youth, ah. um, and we had you come in and do a. Now, granted. That was more of like a corporate setting. So it wasn't like, hey, let's Fair. go peeky afterwards, hang out, hang out, hang out. Um, but then, yes, uh, we definitely got closer with John and Cody. And I think one of my my favorite memories, like, because we've gotten closer here over the last couple of years, yeah. um, is still uh, on Cody's birthday when we were karaoke in the house down. And here comes Bree as I'm like, I'm panning this video across the room and everybody's just getting it down. And here comes this Beyonce stomp, just like singing it out. And I think it was Celine at the time. Probably. Um, but uh, just those moments. And honestly, like just to call it out, I know that there's been a lot of talk at some point of being like going back and watching Glee and being like, do people really break out in songs like that? Yes. That was a moment in which everybody broke out in song and we had our own little moments. But uh, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> and I'm offended when people act like you don't like I sing at all opportune moments Glee was lit first of all Glee back in the day Glee was my my fave I'm still like Amber Riley's biggest fan and I need her and I to oh, become friends 100 I mean Leah Michelle girl can sing but she's probably mm-hmm. not um, Very. <laughs> she did she did bring Jonathan Groff onto the show so I'm gonna give her a little bit of space because I love that homo but yeah Leah anywho I'm always down for a karaoke <laughs> moment. I feel like that's a very well-known fact about me. Like 100. That's how you get me out of like my bed at like 9 p.m. It's like, hey, we're going to go to karaoke and you can sing first. I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess I will. Twist my arm. All right. What's first in my cue? <clears throat> it's always either Adele, Celine, or Whitney to start. 
And then if I'm, depending on the moment, you may be a little Kelly Clarkson, maybe a Christina Aguilera. Oh. You never know. She's Obviously, your show team. Listen, she likes to give the people what they deserve. If I'm if I'm going through it, you may get a Beyonce cover of of an Etta James moment. You just you know you never really know what to. Expect. But that's that's the best part of music and karaoke is you get to step into it. And then you have the people like I don't want to sing. I'm like, oh girl, please sit down. <laughs> we don't we don't <laughs> do shy. Here. Give me that mic. Give yeah. me that mic. It's mine. <laughs> we don't do coy at karaoke, people. Please. You go full in. Truly. Um, I I'm really excited to talk to you today because I just feel like a lot of like the stuff we've gotten to work on together and a lot of like obviously our overlapping friendships is surrounded about around queerness. And especially like from you to be from Kansas and now living in Austin the last like 10 years and really coming into your own. And I didn't come out till I moved here and I was 26. So the last six years of like just being on this wild ride of queerness and like the conversations you have had around it when we were like trying to think of a topic I was like I would love to talk to you about this I just think it's as a person who I think shows up so fully especially like connecting queerness to your work and making sure that all voices are at the table and watching you navigate that at a company such as yours I think you've just really done a great job of making sure it happens and then also just like just queerness in general. I mean, I think you're iconic and obsessed, which we all know. So <laughs> every time we I hang out, it. every time we hang out with John and Cody, I'm like, um, y'all know I love you, right? Like, yeah, like Luke's on the I'm like, thank you so much. <laughs> just wanted to check. Just want to make sure. What's 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 the RSVP list for just today? To, all like, right, great. Circle back and make sure, like, we were going to see Luke today. And they're like, yes, he's on his way. God, I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I'll be over here. No, I'm super excited. I, I think every single time we've had a conversation, it's gotten into some just good old roots and just honestly, just like making people better. Like, I think that that's where we just can get lost in a lot of the, the negative sauce. And there's a lot of really great things out there. So um, I'm super excited for this opportunity as well. And I don't know, like, you're giving me Clark Kent today, and I can't, like, focus. I'm like, okay. Oh, don't worry, everyone. I it's the exactly hair like swoop him. with the glasses. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, I can't. Um, so can you, like, take us to the beginning, like, the growing up in Kansas, which I don't know what it is. Like, I always legitimately forget that Kansas is a real place. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, no shade on my flyover state, Kansas. Like, it's, you know, it's a set of, like, movies and things but i'm like do people actually like live in kansas and i'm like oh wait they actually do they do for sure um i have mixed feelings no kansas is great um i think kansas served uh its purpose in which it needed to for me and um i think a lot of the characteristics that you get around kansas are true like yes it's a big old flatland state a lot of flyover but um the other things too is like it also provides you a lot of opportunity and space um, so for me, I grew out in the country and like getting out to just sitting on the back porch and staring at stars and it being dead ass silent, like love that. Or um, I know obviously like in urban areas, I'm like, yeah, I'll be used to seeing like coyotes and deer and turkeys across the street. We grew uh, a whole bunch of crops and we had cattle and sheep and hogs and really everything across the board so like even who i am now is like really completely opposite from who i was then like 
forage ffa grew up on the farm everything to that nature now granted there's still elements of that to me here but um i am not rocking any wranglers i am not rocking any of that um and i think it just kind of aligned with me and um you know honestly the the best thing that i had within kansas is like it really gave me a good sense of like values um because for me in some of these like more urban areas like the great thing about it is there's always something to do mm-hmm. bad thing about Kansas. There may not be always something to do. So you got to sit in your thoughts and your feelings and you got to marinate in them a little bit. Um, but that also gave me a lot of like opportunity to think about what I wanted out of my future and where I wanted to be, what kind of person did I want to be and things to that. Um, and so, yeah, I went to uh, Kansas state for my undergrad. Absolutely loved it. Both KU and K state. There's a, obviously dilemma between the two, but I think both schools are absolutely fantastic. Um, and if you didn't know beforehand, since I was a media darling or brat, um, they, they have one of the best uh, schools. Um, actually, both of them are some of the best uh, schools there in the Midwest for broadcasting because we do not teach any kind of accent. We're taught to kind of speak monotone. So no New York, no Texas draw, nor Cali vibes, huh. nothing to that nature. Um, but yeah, that kind of is where I got my start into to media and things like that. But, you know, Kansas um, is and can look like a movie scene sometimes. Like Lawrence, if you go drive down Mass Street, like especially during the holiday seasons, it's my favorite. Every tree is lit up. Every storefront has their nice little things like Shit's Creek vibes. I'm um, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. Like we had like a McDonald's and some things like that. And we had a couple stoplights, but um, definitely some of those moments, which is, is as much as what I like love everything that I'm doing now, there are some moments that I miss like that can slow down type of vibe. Um, we need to quickly go back to the fact that you called them coyotes, not coyotes, coyotes. And I was like, oh God, <laughs> real country. That's how, that's Very how I Very much. Very Very much. On the much. Farm. And now that you say like you were taught like no accent and no dialect, I just like you don't have an accent and that just like hit me and like, and it's funny because I just went home to Connecticut for a week and obviously like I flutter back into my accent when I get home, but then like I drop it when I come back to Austin. Um, So it was funny like going home for a week and having my friends who know me from here call me like, what is happening? I go, oh, I've been around my family and my friends in the Northeast too much everything's like talk and coffee and all like everything gets dragged out so i well that's that's so fascinating like that y'all are taught no accent i also like i don't know why i'm like crushing on you shay but the, also like the depth of your voice i just noticed i'm like who is this person like y'all, <laughs> y'all just just book luke for all your voiceover work is what i'm telling y'all i don't know if he's open for work but i feel like y'all should hire him that's my piece I will be open. That is for sure. No, uh, that's the funny thing too. Um, <laughs> in relation to John and Cody, uh, no, one of my favorite things, uh, we went on a trip uh, with them earlier this year for, for John's birthday and, um, Cody's brother had came along and any time that he, uh, the waitress would come around, like he'd be talking like this and be like, uh, can I get the, uh, Benedict's yeah, scrambled? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With some toast. I'm like the hell is this order voice? Where did that come from? Now a little bit for me, like, of course, like in the media realm, like we were taught like a lot of like uh, vocal range and dexterity. And so like a lot of what I listen to is people's like tones and their cadences and um, even some like little nuances. So like for me, I like always try to like mimic a little bit like Moira Rose is my jam. Love throwing her in there just in some moments. But um, yeah, most people like 
<laughs> I don't know. I'll go in talking like hella bass and then I'll be like, yeah, get it. <laughs> woo. And so it's like that balance, you know, a true Gemini. You got to have some, oh, you gotta have chaos. some for <laughs> Luke, of course you're a Gemini. And my heart can't yes, recover now. Sorry. It's okay. I realize that I love Gemini's, but y'all are just difficult. That's all I'm going to say. Envy. As long as I did it. Difficult, but I love y'all in spite of the <laughs> no. I always um, like to say we're just brats and it's because we want the best out of ourselves. So mm, there's moments yeah. when we're disappointed and where we don't. But yeah, I'm just, I'm saying that for now. Saying that mm, for now. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just did a whole astrology ep- episode. Like I have been like... I did ask me anything and people were like tell me anything about like this science so I just like did a whole breakdown of all the signs like you guys I have feelings on every single astrological sign and it's because I'm like very into like I guessed two people's signs the other night that I was out with like I had just met them was up for five minutes ago well I'm like I when I tell you <laughs> your girl is chapped in <laughs> she's chapped in um wait so what brought you to Austin of like all the major cities why why Austin so I got my master's at Texas Tech, and um, I will first say that was the quickest uh, visit that I've ever had. I think I was there for like 24 hours, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, not saying anything bad about Lubbock, but Lubbock's West Texas, and so that was a coming out ground for me to figure out too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I had visited Austin like a handful of times. Um, so I'd played uh, club volleyball. And so we would play against UT or we'd have tournaments down here, whatever the case may be, but also in a social manner, like who doesn't want to go to Austin? Um, so we came down to Austin um, those few times. And those were the moments in which I first kind of like saw myself or like reflective of myself in the community. Um, just because like, you know, gr- growing up in Kansas and especially like West Texas, like, those that were out were like exorbitantly out or it was like they handled their business to where they did like you didn't know um type of thing and so for me of like where what shape and form what does this look like who are the people around me um also I was just like oh my god they're they're here mm-hmm. i see myself um and i think that that was the thing too is like austin carries the the notion of like a, a come as you are town um and that was one of the things that i really liked talking to people about just in general is like you know, you can be walking around downtown and there's a millionaire who's in jorts and flip-flops and, and a tank top and somebody who's struggling to pay their bills in, in a nice-ass suit. Um, but you didn't treat anybody any different. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the same person, the same struggle, whatever the case may be. And so um, that allowed me that little bit of like extra comfort of like, here's where I identify, here's where I feel like I can make roots for myself. Um, and I still even remember at the moment um so i was working to get a internship um and so like my master's program it wasn't a thesis based; it was more of a professional track and so like i had to to finish a six-month internship go back give a capstone presentation on that make it easy so i was going after a large sports affiliate here in austin um and i used every resource connection whatever case may be to be like, I'm the person, like, even if you don't have this role, I'm the person. Um, eventually it came around. Um, and I remember being in the basement at our mass comedy studios in Texas tech. And it was me and another producer. Um, and I started crying. 
like I'm going to call this out. I didn't say this to anybody else, but like I started crying because like I knew it meant something more for me. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't a job. It wasn't an internship. It wasn't anything like that. Like the way I felt in Austin was the way that I wanted to handle myself as a professional. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was just like, all right, this is this is the door that I that I need to have to go allow myself to be the type of person that I wanted to be for me to be able to come out, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, took that internship, came down here and and worked uh, for that sports affiliate for a while. And um, very similar to you, like I didn't come out until I was 24. Um, so I had already graduated, finished my master's program um, and things of that nature. But for me at that time, there was a lot of internalized stigmatism within um, sports. There is still this today, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, if we talk about Carl Nassib, um, you know, another, hey, here's our first active queer person to make it in the NFL offseason cut. Now gets added to a roster. Was he added because of his skill or was he added because he's the only gay person in the league? Like mm. that bothers me to a T. And I think one of the things that I really rely on is like, I like being a storyteller. Like, I think that was the reason why I got into media. The reason why I connect with people the way that I do is like, everyone has such a unique story to tell. And that story is uniquely them. And if we don't give them that platform to talk, to be, or create those connections, like then we're not really setting that form. And I didn't feel like I could really connect with people the way that I wanted to, because I wasn't connected to myself. And so like I was dealing with that. Yes. Therapy come through, giving me all those little one hitters that I needed to have. Um, but, uh, I, I ended up making a switch over to, um, staffing to where I'm in now. Um, and it was such a, a different vibe coming out of a very toxic and not, not like the, the workplace in which I worked for was toxic, but the industry can be very toxic and now allowing myself to be like, okay, here's a fresh start. What am I going to bring to the table and kind of like redefining myself within that space as well. Um, but yeah, Austin has allowed me to be me, allowed me to create the connections that I've had and um, really step into my queerness because that, that was one area that I felt like I suppressed a lot because I th- felt like it was going to get in the way versus not a way to empower me or for a way for other individuals or those that share the same intersections to find confidence in me or to be able to communicate to me in that same way. We have so much overlap listening to you tell your story. I'm like, oh God, <laughs> we, were to, we were meant to be friends. Um, I mean, sort of really the same thing that you said about Austin. Like I kind of moved here between like on a bet and kind of on a dare. Um, my best friend was living here and I fell in love with the city and moved here like six months later and came out and have worked in nonprofit spaces, mostly focusing on fundraising, but all fundraising is a storytelling and then asking for money. So mm-hmm. same sort of, same sort of vibe. Um, starting therapy, started therapy when I was 15. So I, I'm very aware as my therapist, shout out to Brittany, um, always tells me of like being very introspective and like clearly like taking that and doing the work that I do and being able to work on teams. So you just like telling your little summary story. I'm like, oh, this is why we are meant mm. <laughs> to be friends. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss, <laughs> man. And it's just like, you know, as a person who really does love sports, but even like you're talking about like the internalized stigmatism too of like 
you know, just talking about like men, gay men in sports, but also like queer people in sports and, you know, talking about the last couple of years, like the women who have, who naturally produce more testosterone and like those conversations as like a black woman who black women build muscle quickly, more quickly. And so those conversations too, I've had to have people about like black women in sports and just like, it's never ending anyway. Um, I have to, I have to make a one quick segment because I, I, sure. I, I'm gonna throw some stuff in here. This is the Gemini attitude, if there ever is one. Um, I just want to throw in something there, and it, I think it's all about perspective mm-hmm. because one of the things that they always talk about is natural growth, or they have more mm-hmm. testosterone, or they have what, 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 what. What about that person that has more access to gyms? What about that person that has or comes from for more financial literacy mm-hmm. to be able to buy the proper products? Um, if they suffer a knee injury and they don't have the ability to pay for an ACL surgery to go back and get in the game, there's a lot of things that we do not discuss in terms of the advantages or disadvantages in sports Mm -hmm. that this conversation is convenient for them. It's easy for them to point a finger, but we don't talk about those about saying like, Hey, those kids who came from a wealthy family that got to play AAU that played sports all year long that went to traveling tournaments versus the kid that was hustling to pay the bills with the parents. Like, I'm sorry for don't, don't play me for that shit. And mm-hmm. so um, um, that's just one segment that I like, if anybody was listening to this, I hope you open up that conversation to understand that there are so many dialogue points. That is not just one. Well, we'll sorry, be having, we'll be having, we'll be having Luke back for episode two. About sports. <laughs> no, but Girl, it's, it's unpack a lot. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I mean, I grew up in Hamden, Connecticut, which is in Southern Connecticut. So very diverse town, middle to upper wealth, like not super low income folks who lived in the town. Like we learned how to ice skate and play volleyball and swim and gym. Like we had all these things. And so I think about that often because growing up, like hockey and gymnastics were really big where I grew up. But we all know like that costs some money. Like you have to pay for ice time, you have to pay for, you know, the gymnastic classes. And so those are two sports I did not play. But growing up and watching it and just being like and so being able to think about it that way too of like even having just access to like if I wanted to play my parents said I couldn't play contact sports though I I was a little angry as a child so I wasn't allowed (laughs) to play contact sports but um but I think like if it was a sport I wanted to play we would have made it happen but you know as I've gotten older and like going back home and then coming back to Austin slowly making the I've made the decision to move back to Connecticut we'll circle back to that in a minute um but just looking at all these like the juxtaposition of like how I grew up and moving here like when I came out after I moved people were like why didn't you come out when you were home and it was kind of like you were talking about like that removal of myself to like kind of be out on my own and try new things and like even growing up in this super privileged environment I feel like even I questioned my queerness because I do identify as someone who's attracted to all genders and I didn't but I didn't know what that meant and for and I was so obsessed with like being quote-unquote perfect like didn't feel like I could come out and didn't feel like I could tell my family and my family's been great they're super supportive it was just all in my mind and like societal pressure and so to move literally 1800 miles away and be like okay now is my chance to just like live authentically and always like I learned to set way better boundaries with my family I've learned how to cut out friendships and like what jobs I'm gonna not take and all this sort of thing so everything you've just been saying of just like really unpacking everything constantly and I think that's such a 
conversation people still don't really have like we like we were just talking about sports and I always think about like Michael Phelps like he didn't produce lactic acid or he produced more lactic acid something that his body also did naturally but no one ever punished him for and I'm like of course not he's a white wealthy cisgender dude excuse me who's doing really well in sports who's doing all these things so of course I'm not gonna like punish him and like his wingspan and everything else that was just like natural that his body did it was fine but you talk about like marginalized folks in any way so anyone who's not white who's not a man who's not wealthy who's in sports it seemed as like they're cheating the system but if they were in a different body you know they wouldn't be seen as that and so that's also a thing I constantly think about too because again obsessed with sports I watch way too much soccer as you know um but that's a yes, ma'am. Big yes, ma'am. That could be that's episode number three. That's episode number three. <laughs> Luke and I talk Austin FC. Thank you so much. Um, but I, I I just I think, you know, having talked to you and talking to other friends too, of like being people who are queer or sit in the margins and you know, where we grew up and moving to a big city that is constantly changing. I think we're all constantly being aware of these conversations and how things are shifting. But, you know, like I said before, I've made the decision to move back home to Connecticut and that's both both personally and professional reasons why I've decided to go like I want to be closer to my family my godson's starting high school next year and I feel like I need to be closer just in case his mother loses it and tries to beat him to death so I'm like (laughs) I need to be closer because I don't trust her not to kill her child not really I'm hyperbole people but um but also like I'm really close to my family everyone still lives there and you know so I've been interviewing and applying for jobs in Connecticut just because it's easier. Like I run my own business, but to be able to work full time for someone else in that transition makes sense for me. But this decision to move back home was a sort of easy one. And I think it's because like, like we've talked about, Austin is a great place to live. But it always reminds me like the James Baldwin quote about America, like I can love something and still be critical of it. And I'm very critical of Austin now. Like for me, like the black population hasn't grown in the way that I needed to. Mm -hmm. We're losing queer spaces. It's getting really expensive to live here. We have a, a a large population of, you know, our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness and we're not really doing anything about it. And you know, now with Governor Abbott and the grid and Roe v. Wade and abortion access, it's just like all these things that just keep building on each other. I'm like, I and so many people are like, why are you leaving? Like, we need you here to do this work. And I'm like, that is so unfair to ask of a marginalized person to continue to do this work for free, essentially, in a system that is perfectly designed to keep those who are marginalized in positions of not having access and not having power because Texas is one of the most diverse states and yet most of our representatives are old white men. And so mm-hmm. to think about that too, of just like the system is doing what it was designed to do. And for you to ask young, queer, black and brown, disabled, marginalized folks to do this work and essentially like save us now because we know we're like, we're going to have to do this work is so unfair. So I'm like, I have loved Austin. I've loved what it's meant for me, but it's also like, I'm not going to stay in a state that's trying to kill me and making that decision to leave Austin was hard, but I'm just like, I'm, I'm tired. And like we said before, like it's been a great place to like come out and discover who I am. And I'm really grateful for the time here, but I also know like my privilege to be able to pick up and leave. And that's been a really heavy conversation to have with folks too. So I'm just, 
after all that, I'm just kind of guessing, like, how do you feel and see the landscape of Austin as it's changed and also, like, what it's meant for you as your career grows and as you change as a person? I mean, great question. Um, and I, I really don't want to say, like, I'm going to run into my Gemini traits, but I'm going to run into my Gemini traits for a hot second. Because I think that there, I, I think that there's two different sentiments that I have. One, I'm in total agreement with you. Um, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite people of all time, Ty Dotson. She used to be on my team, and now she is our DBI program coordinator for our global entity. Um, she left. She left the country. And when I talked to her, it was right after the Breonna Taylor case, mm. and I, I think in that same kind of conversation where you had brought this up of like there there's things that are happening around you and i and it there's things that are outside of our control and that was a scenario for her where it was just like the one place that i felt comfortable was my house mm-hmm. and you took that away from me and it that shook me to my core mm-hmm. because i was like never have i had to be in the position in where i felt like i had to cut ties get up leave now also with that ability to say that like i am also hyper recognizing that i can easily mask myself in being a white hetero man Mm -hmm. with that being said that flips me over to my other side i know that i have the ability to make safe space and so if that safe space isn't being made for me damn it i'm going to do it on my own Mm -hmm. um and I think that that's one area for me, like in a professional sense and things to that nature is like a couple of years ago, I did a pride panel um, for the company that I work for and a few of their sister companies. And it was my first time that I saw presidents of companies, CTOs of companies and things like that, that I identified within the LGBTQIA community. And I was like, damn, now I can see myself. But I saw myself. I still needed to work on things to be able to make sure I saw people like you, Mm. people like Carlos, people like et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that are all on my team or that I've worked with, had the advantage of working with before. Um, And the the thing that I want to comment that you had made, um, these types of things, we continuously open up, we resurface and things to that nature. But my therapist, um, shout out Stephanie, because same thing on my side. the thing that she had brought up and into that nature of why it can be so challenging for us sometimes is because not only do we have to reopen the wound, we have to clean the wound. Mm. And as part of that, we need to like understand what that looks like for you, for me, for otherwise, et cetera. And so over the last handful of years, like, yeah, the, the queer spaces and things like that have definitely gone away. Um, we need point blank period to do better for our people of color and the LGBTQIA community. We need to do better for our trans family. Like those are all things that we we need to be doing better in this community. And the thing for me is like, I try to identify the space in which I can provide impact. And so if that is providing charitable um, contributions or if that's, you know, whatever I can be to provide that level of visibility I want to, but like I also try to tie that into my work as much as possible because like I also understand that the world's ugly sometimes there's going to be a lot of things that are outside of my control that I can't lean on um so for me I want to lean on myself which 
my my core friends, my chosen family, my actual family and things like that. They've done a really great job of, of catapulting me up to allow me to have these opportunities. But like that's where my pet passion project is like bringing and creating and providing a, a queer space in a corporate setting. Um, so I work for Apex Systems. We're the second largest IT staffing company in the U.S. Um, these are my opinions. These do not reflect Apex Systems, a.k.a. corporate lingo. You all know this jazz. But um, I've been so fortunate over the last couple of years because in that same conversation that you brought up, like leaders or things of that nature of projecting of like, you can't go because I need you to help the company fix this. That is not your problem. That is the company's problem. And that's what they need to figure out. Apex decided to give a shit. And they took the feedback that we had been providing and just honestly kind of giving us that opportunity to create these spaces within our employee resource groups. And um, even this last year during Pride, I got the chance to talk to some of our C-suite because they're like, hey, we've been seeing some things in the news and um, we just want to make sure like, what this is, what we're doing, what's this mean over here? And I was like, this is a perfect opportunity for education. Mm. When the hell will I ever have the opportunity to sit in front of a president of a company, even my own, to be able to say, this is why it's important. This is why we need to create this space for them because they may not have it in their office. There may be a queer person that's working in Mobile, Alabama. He, he, they, she needs to understand and know that they've got a support system that's outside of just mm -hmm. that area, outside of just that region, because just the way that you had talked about it, there's so many different environmental factors that can go into the livelihood of a successful queer person. Mm -hmm. That eight to five is just a vehicle for us to be able to do us and be us. And as soon as once we understand and recognize that, like, the space in which we live, the company in which we work for, the type of work in which we do is a vehicle for us to be us and the truest extent of the form. Like that's when the cool shit actually starts to happen. Also, I don't know if you have to have any bleeps. If so, I'm sorry, you don't have a lot of bleeping in this one. So Please. great. If not, hallelujah. Have you um, met me? Please. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I was like, girl, you know how I can get in some. Uh, well, no, you're good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that that's like, that's where I have like a, a, dichotomous view in that because like I do feel very fortunate in which Texas has provided me some of the opportunities that I have but the thing for me is I want to use that as a turnkey to be able to take those same privileges advantages or opportunities that I have like I have a voice in staffing like I support multi-billion trillion whoever what types of companies across the board and part of that is looking into what are your equitable hiring practices? What does that look like? Or even personally from like folks on my team, like contractors or full-timers is like, I was fortunate to support two contractors that transitioned during their time. Mm. And I was like, this is so exciting because like, I want to learn, like let's celebrate this shit. Cause I know how much a burden you feel like you're getting rid of. I hope that this is the opportunity that you feel like you can provide your best work. And just like those little things that I like, I, I picked up and I was like, those are the types of feelings that would have made eight-year-old Luke very happy, 10-year-old Luke, 12-year-old Luke, 14-year-old Luke. Um, and and I know that this also sounds very cliche, but like there was a, during Pride Month, there was a little like TikTok thing that was going around of like, here's your younger picture, you happy, blah, blah, blah. Here's the you of you now. Does the you now make the younger you happy? And that hit me like a ton of bricks because I was like, I I'm so fortunate. 
for the things that I have, for the the people that I've been engaged with, for the opportunities that I have. And that's where I like, I really want to turn that leaf to be able to help provide those opportunities for those that get typecast that, you know, can't go on a standard interview because they have a speech impediment um, or whatever the case may be. Like, I truly want to be able to create that space. Now, granted, mine's been in corporate work, but that space for them to be unapologetically them to bring their best person forward. I just want to know why you haven't run for political office yet, Luke, because I have questions. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> well, hey, we all know damn well if we got on a stage, mother gets very petty. <laughs> but but that maybe that's something that's needed within that's politics. It's like I, I mean, I am a. Well, I think that there's so much in like sugarcoating. Like we oh, we sugarcoat please. sometimes in the nature of like trying to preserve nicety politics. Well, just even making it uh, digestible. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that we're speaking the language in which that other person is going to to make sure that that message is being heard. But sometimes if those ears aren't open, they aren't going to hear you. Sometimes you got to bring out a two by four metaphorically, everybody stating that and beat them over their head. You got to bring some facts. And, yeah. and there are some moments of like brashness where it's like, we're going to pull the rug out from underneath you because it was that comfort, that safety that you had built around yourself. Mm-hmm. More importantly, that privilege mm-hmm. that you leaned into that you didn't open up to see what else is happening around your company, around your office, around the world. I'm well, happy. girl, if you want to, if you want to nominate me, I turn thirty-five year, so I think I qualify, oh, right? Yeah, you're running for president. <laughs> is president thirty-five or forty-five? Thirty-five. Thirty-five. 30, 35. Yeah. Great. Listen, if Mayor Pete can run, which no shade, I'm just he wasn't my fave. And you are, so I feel like be fine. We'll get you into a local politic race work. first, and then we'll go for it. Any hoodle. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, I hope that there's like a Luke at every like hiring company because it's just like to have someone who sits in a position of privilege who thinks about these things is so important to navigate for other people who don't have to like do the heavy lifting and like you're saying like uh the woman who left the job with you who did the dei work and i was like i'm gonna leave the country it's like that should be like such a shock to the system for everyone and i don't know why i couldn't sleep last night and went down like a ted cruz rabbit hole because i hate myself um and doom scrolling doom scrolling and just listening to the idiocies of this man and just like how out of touch he is and but yet he represents texas and i'm like but he doesn't represent us and it's just so frustrating like how these people keep sitting in positions of power and we just can't seem to get them out so because we don't hold them accountable i mean number one the people who lean want into to. his convenience. Yeah. Well, I mean, 100%. But I also think that those are the overall expectations of even his yeah. constituents across the board. Like, there, there's, there's a lot of that. But the reason why he's able to shelve this is because he gets to lean in to his, like, his name's Raphael. It's not Ted. Amen. Bro, you're also from Canada. You are not from Texas. But what are the number one things that he starts complaining about? Mm-hmm. He knows what people want to hear. He's manipulative mm-hmm. as shit. Like, and that, that's the thing there too, is like, 
I, I, I first I want to say I'm very appreciative for the sentiments that you shared. Thank you. That's mm. that's my goal. That's my team's goal, and I'm very thankful that you'd said that. Um, that's that's genuinely where it's like he hasn't opened himself to those uncomfortable conversations to see shit. What happened during um, the, the ice storm? Mm-hmm. Got on a plane. Left. He stepped into his privilege Mm -hmm. there's moments like that where i think if if anybody listening to this when you can take a a moment disassociate yourself and look at it objectively see both party multiple parties like yeah ted it's probably real easy for you and your family to get on a plane and go to uh, cancun and and avoid all of this that was an immediate problem for you you and your role and your position you represent more than just your family your family comes from privilege. You come from privilege. You represent Texas. You represent the idiocratic decision that we're on our own power grid. Mm-hmm. Stupid. Dumb. But things of that nature to where it's just like, it. I hope these types of conversations are what allow people to see, are they making decisions ultimately for their own immediate convenience? Mm-hmm. Or are they looking at things on a grander scale? We all know that that dude can paper bag. He's gone in the wind when it's convenient for him. But isolating and identifying that that's what that POS is, point blank, period. Yeah, See, this like, is why I also can't hold my tongue for political debates, because I'm going to get into it with some people. I mean, that's, again, <laughs> I mean, I think about it, too. Like, you know, we had AOC and other like liberal um, people in office who like came to Texas to help. And then. He then Ted Cruz got mad. Like, see, they're like trying. It's like a ploy for them to show like they care. I'm like, you left us. Like, you legitimately packed your bags and left us. And so, yeah, I think I think you're. This is again another episode for another day. But just like talking about like, I would just love to talk about politics with you because I feel like we are very much on the same level of like anger and annoyance and just like, what the fuck are we actually talking about here? Um, the the only other thing that I would say, um, and this is. I've been learning a lot um, because I've been working for Apex now for 10 years. Mm. Um, I have not had to look for a job as a queer person. Mm. Um, So with that being said, though, people on my current team, also um, folks that we had on our pride panel, which included you, ma'am. But we one of the things that I would always recommend for anybody of a minority or underprivileged, underserved type of community understand that those interviews are as much for you as what they are for them. Mm. Like people always want to give the power of I'm going to answer the types of questions to be exactly what this company needs. I want to go to blah, blah, blah company because they look fantastic. I go immediately work for them and it's hell on wheels. Mm -hmm. You have the power. And I want people to really understand that like when we had mentioned this earlier, companies, positions, teams, are vehicles for you to be able to do your best work. So ask those types of questions, even if it makes them uncomfortable, because guess what? Those leaders should be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my uh, mentees, um, I, I was chatting with him. and He had recently joined Apex probably about seven months ago. And I was just like, how was your hiring process? I'm curious. Because like for me, we got to get into it. We got to lift the veil. Let's look. And he was like, honestly, it was fantastic. Because the second question that I asked was, what are y'all's DEI efforts? Hmm. What are y'all doing from the local level? What are y'all doing on the national level? What are y'all doing for your contractors? And just that level of questioning 
he got the types of things that he needed to hear for validation of, is this a space for me to be able to go work? For leaders, if you are on those hiring types of boards, panels, or decisions, be prepared. Those are those types of questions that make the difference. Do people want to stick around and work for you? Are you a champion for them? Or are you a convenience? Like, those are some things where I am really, like, prone in terms of, like, um, education versus exploitation. Um, because, like, especially within the DEI space, it's very easy to be the token gay person, the token black person, the token Asian person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's so hard and genuine. And people need to understand like the the amount of weight that people carry when they have to be that facade. They have to be the corporate recruiting representative and things of that nature. And and that's where like I feel I'm so excited with the you know the changes that our company has made. Hopefully, general workforce has been in that same capacity. But like I, if anything, would love to equip people with those types of questions. Mm-hmm. Like feel confident going in there. And if they can't answer it, feel good that you cut dead weight out. Like dead weight gets dead weight. If that company is not investing in the things that you find value, see ya. Mm -hmm. But also ask those questions of like, are you open to it? Because some person may need to be the champion. Some person may need to say, that bus stops here. We are going to be an equitable company and I don't care how much of a pain in the ass that I need to be. We're going to do these types of things Mm -hmm. because your business affects my business, which affects their business. If we want to attract and procure the best talent to stick around, it's more than just money. It's more than just location. It's what are we doing to hear them out, to understand their positioning or whatever the case may be. So um, not to add more pressure into interviews, because I know that they're already a very pressured centric type of space. But really make sure that you as an interviewee, that you carve enough space to ask as many questions, even if that means that you follow up with an email that's got 40 of them. I don't care. Be a brat. Get your questions answered. Because those are the types of things where you will be able to rest your head on, to be able to coach back to, to hold them accountable. Most of these things we don't talk about. But if, Brie, if I interviewed you and said, hey, we've got all these amazing things that are going on, you get to work for me, none of them come to place. You have the opportunity to say, Luke, hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. I came to work for this company because you told me these types of things were in place. What's happening? Mm-hmm. You have something to coach against me. Most people don't think about that in these types of areas or dynamics. Hold people accountable. And if they don't hold true to, to their part, kick dust. Like there's a lot of places that can give you that type of opportunity or platform to go be successful and go be you. And, and if they don't, it's not worth your time. Like it's honestly, it's like a relationship date it. You know, you go mm-hmm. on a couple of dates before you're like, Hey, now we're seeing each other. We're seeing each other to now we're talking to now we're dating to now do the same thing. Like you vet these things out. You vet your level of comfort to be able to say like, am I ready to take this next step? And is the company ready to be able to support me as I do so? Um, so that would be the last thing that I would say is just like, I really do want to give folks the power that they should have. It's not fully on the interviewer. It is a 50, 50 split because you are the person that they're also trying to attract to come work for their company. And even as you mentioned previously, it's like the dependencies and things like that, Mm -mm. put your boundaries up, let them know what you're willing to do. 
Like everybody brings such a value to it. What companies need to understand and leadership need to understand more is how do we create that puzzle piece, that overall puzzle to make it make sense? Not flipping the card and being like, well, that one didn't, whamming it in there, forcing it, forcing the work for nobody. So um, yeah, enjoy interviewing or things to that nature. Um, I think in the coming portions, you will give a shameless plug. So I'm going to do it now, getting ahead of myself. Uh, (laughs) Find me on LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn, Lucas Wimpy or Luke Wimpy, W-E-M-P-E. Or honestly, if y'all want to direct email me at my my work email, I'm fine with that. L-Wimpy at apexsystems.com. I'm I'm saying this because like genuinely, I know I have a platform in which I can give back. Mm-hmm. We have hundreds of recruiters. We've got hundreds of account managers across the country. What I can do is facilitate. I can be the vehicle to say, hey, Joe Smo out there in Piedmont, North Dakota. <laughs> I keep on saying that because Coyote Ugly. Thank you. Um, but Piedmont, North Dakota. Piedmont, North Dakota. I'm just alphabet soup now. But they're out there in the flyover states, but they want to feel comfortable, confident. And I want to work for this place, but it's in a remote capacity. How can I get there? Great. I've been doing that shit for the last 10 years. I'm an expert in it. Mm-hmm. So come over, let my team help you out in the best way that we can. I can't guarantee the jobs are going to come, but opportunities will. Um, and so genuinely, I say that because like, even as Apex Systems, we have a duty. And now does everybody agree with what I agree as our responsibility and duty? No, but that's also where I put my weight. So if that way I can overcome that hurdle and, and do that, then by all means, mama's going to come swing then. I freaking love you. <laughs> I will be sure to link all the things in the show notes. So y'all can get in contact with Luke. And then my final question of the episode is, what is the best advice you were ever given or what is a piece of advice you'd give to your younger self? It's kind of a two prong one. Guess okay. what? Cause I'm Gemini. Just kidding. Typical. Um, oh, rude. Um, <laughs> there's, there's two um, and they kind of go hand in hand with each other. But um, I'm, for those who aren't seeing this, I'm going to try to describe it as best that I can. Here's a really cheap plastic toy microphone. Luke is legitimately holding a toy. <laughs> and then I can't sing. So that also goes into it. I hope there's a reverb or auto tune that you can put on me. But Beautiful. Um, one of my professors at Texas Tech, Jody, um, she had started her class and she had started it by saying, like, I don't do a grading system. Whoever is number one, that is the points for total in the classroom when we go through these assignments, blah, blah, blah. She goes, at the end of the year, there's only going to be one who's at the top. Do what you want to do to get there. For me, I was like, I'm going to be that number one. Trust. So I put a lot of energy and in, in being like, I don't even know what it's going to be. And when I got handed this mic, I was like, what the hell? And I took more and more and more times to reflect on it. And when she uh, gave out our final scores and things of that nature, she had included a little write-up to me. And she had included that she was just like, I really appreciate how much you brought into this class every single time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But I know that Texas Tech or your time here was tougher than just work, than just class. And so I just want to say, like, I appreciate you showing up. I appreciate you finding your voice. 
just want to say that. And so I always say this to being like, find your voice. And that's what I would tell my younger self is like, I'm a loud, obnoxious person. I am what I am. My loud ass laugh. Like people could hear me a mile away, I'm sure. Like they used to give me shit on the floor because they could hear me when I was doing my floor walks. And they'd be like, you know, we're never going to be in trouble because we can hear you. I know. Um, but the the other part is like, um, I included this on our little write-up beforehand. It's one of my favorite, favorite quotes. And it, it basically, in essence, goes into, you benefit nobody by playing small. Mm. Like, you got to step into who you are. And, and the first part of the quote really stuck out to me in a younger kid because I was like, play big as who you are, like step into those roles, be uncomfortable, ask those types of questions, be the spokesperson for your group in college, whatever the case may be, speak up. But it wasn't until my latter years, until I had posts come out and everything to that nature, there's a there's a part in it where it says like, by you letting your own light shine, you subconsciously let those around you feel the the space that they can let their own light shine. And step into their own power and things of that nature. And I, I feel like even over the last like three years, I've tried to cultivate that even more because there is no benefit in playing small. Mm-hmm. Like we are all here on our own narratives, right? In our own books, every person, every company and everything like that is a variable that can be written in or written out. And people need to understand that they have that power. But in that same nature is like, there's a lot of light and joy and happiness that we can genuinely bring because right now it's the way in which our media, our social media, the uh, immediacy in which we need information, validation and accreditation, we're so dependent. And so when the news cycles and everything like that are ugly and toxic and like, yeah, politics are ugly as shit right now, but where can we find that light? Where can we bring that light? Where can we, um, I bring this up, um, this year was the first year that I had worn fingernail polish the entire time during Pride Month. And Carlos on my team has done it for years. But I was like, this is going to be something new for me. Like mm-hmm. I'm dealing with a different level of, of clients and different mm-hmm. level of internal resources and things like that. But even just in that manner of like Carlos wearing fingernail polish allowed me mm-hmm. to feel comfortable to do so. And even if those leaders agreed with it or thought, what the hell, why is this guy wearing light blue fingernail polish? That wasn't for me. I didn't care. Like if we can't disassociate the level of surface or service, excuse me, or quality behind the product away from the vehicle or whatever the manner may be, and we ain't doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of like lift the veil, live in uncomfort, uh, uncomfort because that's where we grow and, and don't feel afraid to be unapologetically you because somebody out there is going to find so much inspiration of there's someone else like that. There's someone like me out there because there is, there absolutely is. And hopefully it's folks like you and I and other folks that we can find the connection to you, but don't, don't regress your story. Don't anything like that. Keep turning that page and make that novel into a, a damn bestseller because everybody deserves it. That's it. This week's episode of the Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Tea with Brie. Send me an email at the Tea with Brie at gmail.com and visit the website, the Tea with Brie podcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or we get your podcast. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music. And I'll talk to y'all next week. Bye.